And welcome to another episode of the Raging Marks Wrestling Podcast. Great to be back. I'm one of your hosts, TNK, alongside Ravish and Randy. Good to be back at studio. Ramsey, what's going on, brother? Not much. Just here. Well, it's, it's it's the my easiest show of the year. Ah. <laughs> uh. We were having a great conversation before we uh, hit play on the... I know, the I know. <laughs> don't want to get the stories out and about till the world just shut. Oh. That, 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 is, that is, you know what? Maybe you know how the like show. the dark side of the ring? The dark side of the Raging Podcast. Oh, yeah, we're just talking about our worst drinking stories. Good times. But now we got to get back to wrestling, so... Uh, topic of this week's uh, podcast is uh, we have, uh, I guess, a faction war, so to speak. TNK picked five factions. I picked five factions. We picked four people to represent said factions, and we're gonna have a debate off with Ramsey, I guess, holding judgment over there. You wanna I am the judgment day. Alright, alright, Rhea Ripley. Uh so yeah, no, I mean do you do you wanna go into more detail on this, like what we did or So basically it's just gonna be like a um a a debate. They're gonna. Um, they have uh, each gonna have two minutes of trying to persuade me why that faction is better than the other uh, faction. After the two minutes, after both uh, both parties go for two minutes, they'll have a one minute rebuttal, and then I get to make my decision on what faction is gonna get. So it's gonna be randomly picked. So I'll pick. Uh, I got two little uh, little picker wheels on my phone. One for Randy, one for Kurt, and I get to spin it. Picks one for Randy, one for Kurt. Then that would be the matchup for the first one, and then so on, so on. And then we'll also vice versa. For, um, Kurt will go first, and then vice versa. The next, the next uh, round, Randy will go second. We'll go first, and we will just banter so, back so and forth. He, so, so TAK and I have our five factions, right? They've been randomly assigned a number on this wheel, so we don't know which faction is going to be paired up against which. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see what kind of combinations we get out of this. And uh, for this week, we really don't have no news. It's been... Um, Shit, I've been working been... way too much lately to really keep up with what's going on in news. Punk, is he back? Is he not? Is he going to be on Saturdays So, so basically, is, let, me, let me give you the rundown for the past two weeks on the, the news on the internet. CM Punk coming back. Nope, nope, no, he's not. Not CM Punk coming back. Nope, no, no, he's not. CM Punk's coming back. N no. That's pretty much been the back and forth the last two weeks. So, there's no really big, no big news. Probably next time there will be some big news because tonight as we're recording this on a Monday, Triple H supposed to have some earth-shattering WWE news. And then Wednesday... Khan has Khan's um, got another major, major announcement. announcement. Yay. But other than that, we're just going to go into our into our faction debate. So we're going to pick... Um, let's pick... Um, Let TNK go first. Okay. Kurt gets a um, spin Kurt's wheel. We got the wheel going. And then we got... Do, 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 do. <laughs> the main event mafia. Oh wow, that's gonna be the most difficult one for me. That's why. That's the one How is it the most difficult for you? Well, like it's, this is like pride. TNK. What the TNA. Yeah, wow. No, no, I know who my members are. Obviously, because uh, we're choosing four. 
Main yeah. event mafia consisted of. Why don't you wait till you get find his so you can make yeah, your four yeah, members? Call, call him your tits. I'm just making fun of you. He was like, oh, this is gonna be the whole. Oh, I just want. Oh, like, we had it like, oh, okay. I do want to know his four. Okay. So Randy's faction against the main main event mafia is NWO Wolfpack. You see, now this is going to be somewhat appropriate because this would really truly be a TNA thing. All the WCW castoffs going to fucking. Uh, TNA, but no, TNK, you're gonna open this up, so go right ahead, buddy. So, you got two minutes, uh, let's, before we start two minutes, but you're for, uh, um, you're for, uh, Obviously, Kurt Angle, Sting, Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner. Those are right. four members of the Main Event Mafia. Alright, Kurt, you got two minutes. Begin. Okay, so, Main Event Mafia was a complete... A great faction for uh, TNA, man. You had ex-WCW heavyweight champions going in, except for Kurt Angle, WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and he's fucking Kurt Angle in his prime, so obviously he's going to be the leader, even though mainly Sting was kind of the face because it was like the first time Sting was heel. Sting, the icon, didn't go to WWE at the time, still franchise player, head name recognition. Kevin Nash could still wrestle at the time, big, big sexy. And then you had big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner, Wild man, still doing it. It was just the right gimmick because look at these guys, established names. Never been in a faction before. Well, okay, so obviously they'd been in NWO when most of them, some Wolfpack, some black and white. Main event mafia dominated, man. Kurt Angle was your champ. Uh, well, you know, Booker T was in the group, but he's not in my list. He was their so-called television champion, which didn't last long at all. But man, you had domination all around. They dominated for the year that they were together. It was just Kurt Angle on top, Sting. They got you couldn't beat him because these guys were just so big and dominant, heavyweight. Okay, I'm gonna stop you there with one minute. Why are they better than the NWO Wolfpack? Oh, because they were actually a freaking stable and not like some sort of like just random. Oh, we're gonna get. The, Red, the black and red was just kind of like, it felt like a merch grab at times. Like, oh, okay, so there were two separate groups in the same group? That's fucking weird. What's up with that? This group was united, strong. There was no division amongst them. Didn't necessarily per se have a main leader, even though it was technically Kurt Angle or Sting. You didn't know which one was the main guy because they both kind of spoke for the group. Kind of like Judgment Day. Who's the real leader? This group was just united and on all front event for a while until, you know, eventually all groups come to pass. They they just were just great. They were still all still they were yet to hit the age where they could you're like, okay, time to retire. They were still in their prime for me. I love main event mafia. That's my two cents on that one. Another time's all right. <clears throat> and actually it's tough time to spare. So it, it's kind of appropriate that uh, a lot of the people that are in your main event mafia are also in my NWO Wolfpack. So, so I've got Mario. Sting, I've got Lex Luger, I've got Kevin Nash, and I got the Macho Man Randy Savage. Two minutes and go. So, yeah, you were right about uh, division within the faction. You were like, oh, well, which is which or whatever. No. Like, when NWO Wolfpack splintered off, they were the cool group. It was assembled of a lot of the hottest stars in WCW at the time. Sting, Lex Luger, Kevin Nash, Macho Man, Randy Savage. The people that were more over in the NWO than the NWO was at that point. Okay, they weren't the tired, played out shit like Hollywood Hogan, Scott Hall. We we didn't know if he was on the wagon, off the wagon, what was going on with him. Wolfpack was where it was at. Wolfpack was dominating in merch sales. Let's just talk about the individual wrestlers themselves. All right, Sting had the cool factor. Now, Tomato Face maybe didn't go over well, but you know what? He sold the shit out of it, and he was cool. Fucking Luger, former multi-time world heavyweight champion, he was the muscle of the group. Kevin Nash. 
He was the speaker. He was the guy that uh, connected with the crowd, got him over. Macho Man Randy Savage, the fucking wild card. All right? So you have four former world champions, all right, dominating shit. And you know what? They were doing it cooler in WCW, and they were getting eyeballs in WCW more so than the main event Mafia did in TNA. How did that boost the rating uh, back in uh, the glory days of TNA, TNK? 2007-2008 was, uh, well, 2007 was arguably the probably biggest year, and they kind of started doing it, I guess, around 2008-ish. But you had guys, established main event guys from WCW, like, hey, we're going to get in a group. Sting didn't wear the paint. They were serious. They all wore suits. They looked fucking cool. They were just... This This wasn't, okay, like so that Sting, this wasn't the freaking Kiss 80s makeup off thing. No, Sting has to have his makeup. I think we're getting on that one. And look, you're going to have one-minute rebuttal. The, uh, real quick for my last, like, five seconds. Go for it. It was TNA, Ramsey. TNA. Go. Kurt, you got one minute to rebuttal. All right, man. <laughs> so you want to go ahead and say, no, because I know you're just like, oh, TNA, Ramsey. TNA, Ramsey. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, he's sitting there kissing your ass like our delegation. TNA man, it's like, dude, they were the top stable in TNA, and they people. If you say main event mafia to most fans, even if they weren't TNA guys, they know who they are. And I know Wolfpack had all the eyeballs. That's when wrestling was at the big, at the peak of popularity. But at the time, I felt that the NWO was kind of starting to fade away when they did those two branch division sections at the end. Yeah, they were cool. I liked the NWO Wolfpack. Everybody did. But the main event mafia to me just said, oh man, wow, Sting, Kurt Angle, all these guys that were rivaling around getting together and they were big world heavyweight guys in major promotions doing their thing, showing the young guys, hey, we still got it. I thought it was a great gimmick. I love the main event mafia. They look cool, acted cool. They were a united group of world ex-world heavyweight champions from other promotions, dominating TNA. I dug it and I thought it was cool. One minute rebuttal, uh, Randy. If you want it. It was TNA. Simple shot. Probably just going to leave it at that. It was TNA. Okay. Let's. <clears throat> so your forward for the main event mafia was who again? Kurt Angle, Sting, Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner. And your four was? Sting, Kevin Nash, Lex Luger. Macho Man Randy Savage. Hmm. 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 You, oh. Hmm. As much as I am, I was a Wolfpack guy. I had the, the shirt. But um, Kurt Angle versus over Lex Luger. Main Event Mafia wins that one. I was hoping he was going to do that. Shocked me. I was hoping he was going to do that. I was like, Kurt Angle at his peak. It, it's it's you it's Lex Luger Scott, for me. You could have said Scott Steiner over Lex Luger. Yeah, either oh, yeah. or. It, I don't like. I don't like. But that was the weakest part to me on his was Scott Steiner. You should have went with Booker T. By the way, I still got my outsiders T-shirt. By the way, red and blue. I mean, no, I, red and blue. It's just that that Lex Luger to me. That, that's. Dude, I know. He felt weird joining the group, right? Same with Sting. I never fucking got that. They look cool. Don't I, know. I, I was, I was never a Luger fan. I was like, 
It was cool because K Dog got the. He became who he was because of being in the yeah, Red Yeah, I could have thrown Conan in there. That was cool. Too. Lex Luger, for me, is John Cena before John Cena. Oh, no arguments here. I like, couldn't. I couldn't stand him. At least Cena could fucking wrestle. But on that one, we're going to have Randy's uh, for round two. Randy's faction is going to be with the wheel start spinning. Uh oh, the four horsemen <laughs> versus TNA TNK's uh <coughs> faction. Let the wheel spin and spin and spin and spin and do 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 do. Heart Foundation. Ooh, 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 ooh. So, Randy, to uh, first let's do this because last time I don't think it was fair. Randy, your four members. So, uh, the best iteration of the Four Horsemen ever: Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and Lex Luger. Fucking kidding! I know he's gonna be shot. Barry Windham. Come Thank on, you. Come yeah, on. I was gonna be like, come fucking. Uh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Paul Roma. <laughs> you could have went with Sid Vicious on that one. It would have been better. I know. No, that is the best rendition of the four horsemen. Kurt, you're four members of the Heart Foundation. All right, this is the one where I was actually, I'm still flickering, but I got to choose because now's the time. Obviously, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, British Bulldog. I, I personally like Brian Pill. I'm going to go Brian Pill. All right. So, Randy, two minutes. Look, um, we want to talk about the best, one of the best heel stables in the history of heel stables. It's the Four Horsemen. You want to talk about catching lightning in a bottle? I mean, dude, they, they, they caught lightning in a gas tank, okay? Because this shit popped off whenever they were involved in any kind of angle, any kind of faction. You could go with the original. You could take Barry Windham out and throw Ole Anderson in there. And some say nothing's better than the original. But addition by subtraction. They add Barry Windham in there, and it just felt more natural, more complete. One of uh, the best tag teams in Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. You know, you got the Enforcer, you got the Brain Buster, whatever. You know, they dominated the tag scene. Barry Windham being a freaking one-man wrecking crew. He was the muscle of the group. And then you got the nature boy, Ric Flair, the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time. Don't give me your John Cena 16-time world heavyweight champion bullshit. Ric Flair is the man, and he will never beat the man. So, no, Four Horsemen, you want to talk about legendary rivalries, whether it's with Dusty Rhodes, whether it's with Sting, whether it's Ricky Steve, whatever, doesn't matter. This iteration of the Horsemen, top to bottom, is the most complete, and I would put them up against any faction. I know another faction that you're going to bring up later on, try to capture that same lightning. Oh, we're the next generation of the Horsemen, blah, blah, blah. No, there's the one and only, and they are legends. And I would put them up against any member of the Hart Foundation. Ric Flair versus Bret Hart, two master technicians. I think Ric Flair's got more up his sleeves to take out Bret. I would take Arn and Tully over Owen and Bulldog. And I mean, if that, if that leaves Barry Windham and flying Brian Pillman, Barry will send Brian flying into the stands. All right? That's, no. Give me the horseman. All right. We got two minutes. And um, 
before we go, like Flying Brian, is he really at that time Flying Brian or no? Or, so the loose do cannon. Do y'all want to like? Okay, that's my biggest what ifs. If he didn't have that fucking uh, accident. All right, like, hold on. Give it. Put it in your argument. Two minutes. Go. All right, Heart Foundation. First of all, you got Bret the Hitman Hart, five-time WWE champion, WCW champion, arguably my favorite wrestler of all time, the leader. Crazy how he just kind of goes through being the babyface, but he wasn't really a true uh, heel. He was a heel in America, but he wasn't a heel in Canada. And by God, would they fucking be loved in Canada. Uh, Owen Hart, one of the greatest technicians that never was World Heavyweight Champion. Him and the British Bulldog, together as a tag team, won multiple World Tag Team Champions. They dominated in the mid to late 90s in the tag division for WWF, uh, WWF at the time. Brian Pillman is the one that was like, what if for WWE? He got the ankle injury at the time, but to me, Brian Pillman, early WCW, could go in the ring. Uh, him and uh, could have success in tag team. Him and Stone Cold Steve Austin could have single success. Could have been, I think, could have been a future World Heavyweight Champion had he wanted to been, had he been healthy and passed, then had that uh, pass away later that year. Brian Pillman's so criminally underrated, just gave that uh, insanity gimmick alive. But the Hart Foundation, my God, man, together they held all the belts. Owen was the IC champion. He was a tag team champion. While uh, British Bulldog, I believe, was the uh, European European champion. Bret Hart, you, uh, your world champion for a while. And, dude, that crowd, you talk about the greatest in your house ever. Canadian Stampede, July of 1997. Go watch that pay-per-view. It is the best in your house. That crowd reaction went insane. Just uh, for some, yeah, could they... The Horseman, I'll even give you this one. Yeah, it's hard to argue, but the Hart Foundation for 1997 was just so over, so good. They had all the world titles. I'll put them up against the Four Horsemen. May the best man win. But I just thought it took Brett to another level because he hadn't really been a heel at that time. And he was a great heel, in my opinion. And I just love the Hart Foundation. Dude, so for my rebuttal, I will give you this. Heart Foundation had success, and what were they going to do? They were going to go home to their families, and they were going to have a nice big glass of milk and cookies with the kids. When the Horsemen had success, they were in the nightclubs, in the VIP room, popping bottles of champagne with the prettiest women in town, having a party, all right? They, they were the embodiment of the 80s. You wanted to be them. Whether you, whether you liked them or not, you couldn't deny you wanted to be a horseman just for the cool factor alone. And holding those four fingers up meant excellence. You want to talk about the excellence of execution? Any four of those members could have been a pillar of excellence because they were horsemen. And that meant something. Heart Foundation had their run for, what, a year and a half? Like a year? If that year and a half? Yeah, about a year. No, horsemen... Horsemen still live on to this day. All right. Kurt, your rebuttal. One minute. My rebuttal is when you think about the Hart Foundation, I think of pure, when you talk about excellence, I literally think that. I think great, the some of the greatest technical wrestlers together in a group, maybe aside from Jim Neidhart, Brian Pillman, unfortunately, what a situation because he was hurt. You could have gone with Jim Neidhart. At least Jim Nyhart is a multi-time tag champ. You could have been like, oh man, you could rotate any of them around as a tag team. But I put them What at, did Pillman really do as a member of the Hart Foundation? He wrestled vaguely, but he really wasn't much of a wrestler because he was still hurt. But I'm thinking like I'm thinking like technical Brian Pillman's He career. was there to be there because they needed to do something for him. An insane gimmick, man. He was awesome. And he wrestled in the Hart Foundation side. But dude, the technical wrestling standpoint, even if he did put Jim in, substitute, you had a powerhouse yet, how do we But I thought Brian was a much better wrestler. Technical wrestling aside, what if? I thought technically in the ring, 
the Hart Foundation, so, the best. I don't think you have a leg to stand on. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, oh, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. Just that last statement. That that it it, it goes to the four horsemen. Well, dude, four horsemen, fucking four horsemen, man. It, it, no, what he that that last one, but he doesn't have a leg to stand on. That that was that's true. He fucking two crutch Pillman, you know. Damn near had he have his leg amputated in the injury. Like big. Well, I love I love Brian Pillman. But I the, 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 only thing, the only thing, the only thing Brian Pillman gave to that group was a wall card. Man, they needed it. Uh, no, not even that. They had to. The only thing they had to do was he gave them is to severely apologize for having a fucking gun on the fucking on, on US. Well, that was before we get the <laughs> thing, but that was funny as shit. Yeah, I love it's, it. Uh, but that's a, uh, now the horsemen straight down. They are the yes. The all great right. Spectrum, so we got Randy's turn to go from next. We're going to well, spin. No, it. I went. I went first this past round. You did. Yeah. He already he yeah. debated. So, so. so I go first this time. All right. So Kurt, your wheel goes around, and it's do 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 do. Evolution. Okay. Which <laughs> appropriate. There's, there's no. Uh, I just called them out a second ago. So yeah, no uh, appropriate. Uh, so you're going against Randy's. Do do do. He and family. <laughs> so, Kurt, your four members, which is pretty much the only four members they got. They only have four members. members. Only need four members. Just say them outside. Uh, unless you want to include, was it Mark Gendrick in there? Oh god, no, no, no. no. We're so it's going to be Triple H, Ric Flair, yeah. Batista, Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Now, Randy. You know, I, I what I, four members? I, I had I I, I kind of tossed on this, but I just went with a team of the baddest motherfuckers around. Basically, nobody you wanted to piss off in a bar. Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy. Harley Race, Haku. Kurt, two minutes on the clock. Tell me why Evolution over the Heenan family. Evolution is one of the greatest factions of all time. Uh, yes, obviously they borrowed, because look, look who was in there. Ric Flair was in the group. They, they did a great it was phenomenal the sense that they did past, present, future. They originally wanted Ric Flair to be the guy, but it was like, no, no, no. We're going to put Hunter as the guy. And yes, Hunter was your champion the whole time, the face of the group. Ric Flair was the past, but he still had enough to give because him and Batista were tag team champions. And then you had, really, Randy Orton and also Batista, your future. Randy Orton was a young kid, might have been 22, 23 at the time, was your Intercontinental champion. Batista, Flair, your tag. Uh, Triple H, your uh, World Heavyweight champion. They dominated, man. And look at what the, uh, the future did for Batista and Randy Orton. Both main event in multiple, uh, WrestleManias, both multiple-time World Heavyweight Champions, carried the brand. Um, really, all three of them carried the brand. Triple H, Orton, Batista. They look cool. They did the. They basically a carbon copy of the Four Horsemen, but to a newer audience. And the fact that they did it past, present, future. Evolution, I loved Evolution. They dominated. They kicked ass. And look at what they did after they left the group. And they all became stars because of that group. Evolution is, is exactly what they said. Dominant, man. But Randy Orton was 14-time champion. Batista, I can't remember how many he won. Uh, Triple H, 14-time. Ric Flair, 16-time. I think he's keep going, man. 
I loved Evolution. They only lasted like three, two years, maybe three, before they separated. But damn, dominant. I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you credit where credits due because no, it was very good, very good stable. They definitely had championship pedigree. But when we talk about a poor man's version of the Horsemen, the fact that Triple H was the de facto head of the group. And the dude didn't even drink. They show them They show them riding in the limousines. They show them living the glamorous life. But this dude doesn't pop champagne. He doesn't drink. Poor man's horseman. But he didn't family. Let's talk about this. Triple H may be the cerebral assassin. But there was only real one real brain in wrestling. And that was the brain Bobby Heenan. Andre the Giant. The eighth wonder of the world. One of the greatest wrestling superstars to ever walk the face of the earth. And a big man you did not want to piss off. You get on his bad side, he'd sit on you, he'd fart on you. He would purposely not wash his tights and stick your face in his ass crack if you got on his bad side. Like, dude, big King Kong Bundy. I mean, the dude was a massive wrecking ball, alright? Uh, Harley Race. King Harley Race, one of the greatest NWA champions of all time, and a real tough guy. Another guy that would sit there, smoke a pack of cigarettes, chug a case of beer, and then beat you if you looked at him cross. And a coup. The dude bit a man's nose off, okay? Look, I'll give credit where credit's due in the fact that Evolution, really good stable, championship pedigree stable, but if you put those four men against my four guys, my four guys would run rough shot over them. So my question on the for the rebuttal, it's going to be a question for you, Kurt. Yeah. And I'm not going to time this because I, I want you to think this out. In a bar fight, who's facing who? Who's facing Andre the Giant? This is professional wrestling, so we have predetermined outcomes. Who sells merchandise? Evolution has championships. But yes, I understand what you're saying, and I will no, no, think no. about this fight. No, 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 no. I will That's think a legit about question. This. I will think about this. If they had a bar fight. Who, who do you think would actually pair up and, and could sort of go? If this was an APA bar, let's say, let's, let's hypothetically, <laughs> this is happening at the APA bar. Who the, who's going again? Who's fighting All right, Andre I'm the Giant? The, the guys bar. who are fuck it. Um, my guys really—they're not tough guys. So Batista's the only one that had some experience in MMA. He had like two fights, I think. So obviously Batista, you have to put him against Andre. Um, put Triple H against King Kong Bundy, and that would leave Randy Orton for Harley Race and Flair for. Oh, poor Flair. <laughs> you don't. You, you, you wouldn't put Flair up against Harley, Harley Race? Race? Yeah, put Flair against Harley I mean, Race because they, they fought each other for the belt in Starcade 83. And then, yeah, put Randy Orton against uh, oh, Haku and pray that Orton's gonna fast be, enough he's to gonna be, He's going to be Haku's bitch. Oh, dude, I mean, look, if you want to talk about bar fights, I mean, I'll answer your question after with, uh, Ramsey makes his decision. I can tell you exactly what's going to happen in that fight. Okay, uh, but we also oh wait. You also brought up the whole predetermined outcome thing. Here, here's going to be my rebuttal, at least when it came to Andre. If Andre decided mid match he was going to do something, was going to do who the, the fuck was going to who the fuck was going to tell him no? 
Even Vince wouldn't tell him, though. They were born the same year. Vince would be like, uh, boss wants to do what he wants to say. Before no. there was a Triple H reign of terror, there was the Andre the Giant reign of terror. Um, you know what? I heard some of the, the great, you know, and this is how I'm going to judge you. I'm judging on two people. Andre the Giant and Ric Flair. You always heard about the sex stories of Ric Flair. Some great Rick, some great shit. But the the rumor that Andre stacked five playmates at the at the Playboy Mansion and finger fucked all five of them at the same time. <laughs> he and family gonna take that. With five fingers. He's got his fingers in many pies, baby. <laughs> I, right. so I, I, I'll say this about the, the the fight, man. I'll tell you exactly what happened. The only wrestling book I purchased was Harley Race's book. And Ric Flair's gone on many podcasts. He just did a podcast with Joe Rogan. Where he talked to Joe Rogan about, like, you know, back in the 70s, the bar fights. These guys got it. Joe asked him, like, hey, man, how, how many times did you see a bar fight? He goes, oh, man, that, they'd be a bar fight twice a week. Usually twice a week. He goes, we went into small towns. He goes, there's always a bar fight. Let me tell you something, man. Between there's only two men that uh, onto the giant feared: Harley Race, Haku. Harley Race was a farm boy who started in Carney wrestling back at the age of 13. When he was 16 years old, he was 230 pounds, built like a brick shit house. Motherfucker had these crazy tendons. He could punch a block of ice and fucking shit would shatter, man. Like the big bags that were frozen hard, tendons were insane. He could literally. He was like, "Hey, what do you say about wrestling?" Get him over here. And he'd out of there. Ric Flair said he'd poke two guys' eyeballs out or he would just hit you with that left fist. They drop. Or he would just grab you with his fucking... Or him or Haku would just grab you with his crazy wrist strength and just choke you out. Just grab me like this. Choke you out. No jujitsu rear naked chokes. They would just take their fists around your neck and squeeze the life out of you. Dudes didn't fuck with those guys, man. They were crazy as shit. Yeah, those guys would murder anybody in the bar. Anybody. You had Andre on top of that? Whew. Guy picked up a fucking car. The guy that took a uh, six foot six um, cowboy uh, blackjack mulligan and his other buddy, another six uh, six foot or three hundred pounder, beat the shit out of him. Picks them both up, puts him in the trunk of a car, gets in the back seat. He's like, "Take to hospital." That's the only reason he didn't kill him because they were part of the wrestling family group. Those dudes were fucking crazy. And blackjack mulligan's a crazy Texan. Couldn't couldn't fight him. Uh, Randy, I want you to write this down. So, our next fantasy match booking, this is going to be a match. It's going to be your members of the Heenan family, your four, versus Brock Lesnar. Got it, Brock. Dan Severin. Oh, fuck yeah. Ken Shamrock. Yep. Let's put in Blackman. Steve Blackman? Okay, I was thinking of I was thinking of the Japanese guy, but yeah, Blackman's a good one. Those four against that would be a that would be a four and four match. And that's booked for our next uh fantasy card. <laughs> and it's gonna be a, a, a street fight. Legit street fight. Oh man, poor Hakobe biting his nose off, eyeballs, and yeah, yeah, rules, man. Gotta fucking rules. I mean, look, I, I I could already see at least how this would possibly shape up Andre and Brock. Obviously, I think I think you go Dan we'll Severn. We'll, I think we'll you go Dan Severn and Harley Race. But see, those guys didn't mess around. Like we'll talk about this off here because like Dan yeah. and Ken might not like try to poke your out or bite your nose off. They'll just break your arm, but choke you out. Other dudes, they're fighting for your life. The 
All right, we're going to go to our next round. Uh, Randy, you have DX. Up and in for TNK, you have. Do, do, do. The NWO. Oh, I was hoping it would be Bullet Club. So, Randy, you got, uh, name your four members of your group. Uh, so I'm going to go Shawn Michaels. I'm going to go Triple H, back when Triple H was cool. Uh, I'm going to go X-Pac. And I'm going to go China. Ooh. And Kurt. The original, the new, 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 new world order. Uh, obviously, Hogan, Nash, Hall, and the Giant. All right. Two minutes on the clock. Randy, why is DX beating NWO? And we're not putting anything about WrestleMania, Triple H, and Sting. That is out the book. <laughs> well, well, good thing, because, you know, Sting wasn't in this iteration of the NWO anyway. Um... So I'm not gonna lie. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think my four go pound for pound with TNK's four. Um, especially, I think X Pac versus the Giant. That would be an interesting thing just to see six go flying all over the place. But anyway, um, dude, Shawn Michaels, especially in that time before the back injury, was the best wrestler. In the world at that point, just as far as what he could do in ring, what he was doing on a microphone, what he was doing, at least kickstarting the Attitude Era. I know the Attitude Era didn't kickstart until after he had to retire, but it was really the stuff that he was doing in the ring that led to that point. Um, Triple H being his lackey, his sidekick, added a good bit to it. And then you had China, who in reality at that time was the muscle in the group. Her muscles were bigger than anything Trips could hope to dream of. But there's nobody... Look, like, they were entertaining as fuck. You had Shawn Michaels that was really carrying the group as far as from a championship pedigree. Triple H wasn't quite there yet, but he was on the cusp, especially after Shawn retired, and he took over as leader of DX. Um... I yeah, like no, I, no, no, I, I think this is a no, mismatch. No, 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 no. Like, but I will here's also, the thing: you can give me the X, and I'll give you NWO because I can argue either one. Well, well, no. Look, I will say this though: it was it was really DX that started getting people to turn the eyeballs to WWE and away from WCW. Granted, it wasn't until Steve Austin came along later that it fully happened. But I will say DX was pretty revolutionary for its day, and definitely made. Uh, made WWE more entertaining to watch. Oh, you're missing points. Uh, I know. I'm I'm missing ar points. I wanted to argue for you for some point. I know. I, like, know oh, I, I know. I'm missing points. Maybe I'll like, get it in my rebuttal. We'll see. Kurt, you got two minutes. Tell me NWO versus DX. Why NWO has an advantage? Well, let's just say the obvious, man. I mean, NWO, when they first came along, everybody thought it was WWE invading WCW. And they, at the time, the mid-90s, wrestling was so bland, they needed something cool to kickstart people's interest back into professional wrestling so you know ecw was kicking ass but it was in a very small market people didn't know about it so you had scott hall aka Rizm, you know Rizm, come through the crowd and then you got kevin nash show up two weeks later oh no there's an invasion what are we doing this is crazy why do we got wb guys coming to wcw this is before the internet was a big deal 
And then when Hogan turned at Bash at the Beach, my God, man, the fucking wrestling, not just the wrestling world, like all of entertainment news, Hollywood news picked up on this Hogan turning heel. It just changed professional wrestling. It, it just, they'll never see anything like that ever again. I wish you will, but you never will. That you know, Hulk Hogan, the biggest icon of the '80s and the '90s, turning heel finally. They were cool as shit, man. The black and white individual. People started garnering interest. It made it's what turned WCW. Eric Bischoff led 83 weeks because of this moment. Um, it just changed the face of professional wrestling, and then. You know, you added more members because you do need one or two more members. I agree that you had Ted DiBiase, who I didn't have on my list as like the money man. Big Show, you know, just the, the giant didn't need him. Honestly, I thought that was kind of weird to have him in there. Uh, this, you know, it, it, the NWO was so freaking cool. It turned eyeballs, all heads turned that way. It made the bad guys fans cheered for the bad guys because they were freaking cool. The NWO just changed the game, man. It forced WWE to step up their game, and it, who knows where we would be without the NWO because of that. All right. We, got... we want to talk about, all right, I will say this, sex sells, right? So you maybe had, like, you, you had Shawn Michaels, who posed in Playgirl. You had China, who posed in Playboy, all right? So they were doing degenerate stuff on TV, playing strip poker, in the middle of the ring. I mean, they're just doing all kinds of different things. You just say it instead of mouthing it. Just go ahead. Say it. I Make my what? point. Dude, they, they sparked. They were the reason there was an attitude error. That's just what I said. Yeah, yeah. I said that earlier. That's a huge, huge deal. I said that earlier. They kickstarted it, and then Stone Cold Steve Austin truly ushered in the yeah. attitude error. Yes. But I would say, they, they kind of paved the way. If it wasn't for DX doing their degenerate shit, we may not have an attitude error. We may have a different iteration of Austin 316. You, you never know really how that could have played out, but it was their shenanigans that kickstarted it all, and it was a perfect counterpoint to the NWO. Kurt, I would give you a minute, but there's, 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 there's the decision already been made because how you're saying because there wouldn't be no attitude error because of DX. There won't be a DX without the NWO. For what happened with the NWO made DX happen. Mm -hmm. That I, so, cannot argue, I cannot argue that. So whatever everything happened, everything that has happened. That's what I said. When, when, it, when, it's kind of like it's kind of like. Bear but, with me, but, bear with me, audience. It's like Jesus Christ. There is a BC in in AD. It's a BNWO, and then after NWO. In wrestling, well, it was just it was like I'll be honest, it was a bad matchup because like yeah, it, it but was to, talk, but to, to bring up DX's points though, man. Like it, it is a tough matchup because that is a hard one to beat the, NW, the original NWO at that moment. Out but, of out, out of like those four, I will say but that Shawn I, Michaels is the best worker the, of them all. Shawn Michaels was yes. professional wrestler in the world, and he was the best. And before he hurt <laughs> his back with DX. Um, Triple H became who he was because of DX. They were the most over-faction during your hottest time on Monday Night Raw was DX. And then you have China. Uh, somebody saw a list the other day about like the greatest... When Trish said she was the greatest of all time, somebody put up a list of like all the women in women's history. And they in a lot of the comments section, people were like, China, China, China. And I'm sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, they got a decent point. If it wasn't for China, she made women's wrestling like... She could beat up dudes. She... Um, she she got the Divas division, I think, back in wrestling was because of China getting back well, in there. Well, they, so. they, first they crowned Sable. Yeah. Because Sable was hot. 
She was the hottest act at the time. And then, era, yes. And then they put the belt on China, and she they didn't the have anybody else that could really compete with China. I mean, China, the eighth wonder of the world, what she was doing was so innovative. You the ninth see wonder of the world. The eighth wonder of the world. Yes, yes, correct. I, look, I love both groups. To me, they're 1A, 1B. They're so critical for professional wrestling history. Well, the NWO is going to win this because of the fact that without the NWO starting, there wouldn't be no DX. And WWE needed to up their game to get the ratings in. Yeah, WWE had to be more... Yeah, no, N- no NWO, there won't be... DX would not would not happen. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I can't deny that one at all. But I, but the, the, the real winner in this one is the click. Hands yeah, down. Because the click was running the, the wrestling industry at that time. That is a great... Argument a point right there. You're absolutely God right. God damn, yeah. I should have gone with the click. Fuck. I mean, 100%. They were running WWE and they were running WCW. Literally. Uh-huh. Um, so we got a tie. Two for Kurt, two for Randy. Going to the last one. <laughs> Son of a bitch, man. I'm just going to say it right now because I know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll Randy, we'll Randy, see. I mean, Kurt, you got the Bullet Club Elite. Good luck on that one. Versus something that tugs in my heartstrings, the Dangerous Alliance for Randy. Um, Kurt, you got the floor to go first. So I'm still sticking with my saying. It was and what's your four? The New Japan, AEW. We're doing Kenny Omega, Adam Hangman Page, and the Young Bucks. And Randy, you're four of the Dangerous Alliance. I went with Wild Card in this one too. I went Rick Rude, Stunning Steve Austin, Beautiful Bobby Eaton, and Medusa. Ooh. Ooh. He's so confident. Okay. Medusa Maselli. Yep, yep, yep. Like, I love me Medusa, but yeah. Kurt. Floor is your two minutes. All right. New Japan. Not only did they dominate in AW, they dominated New Japan where they came beforehand. Kenny Omega was very rarely do they crown, you know, unless you're a big star and he was developing himself in New Japan, became out of GP heavyweight champion. Young Bucks actually gained weight. They were the junior heavyweight champions, gained the weight to make the heavy uh, heavyweight championship for the tag team titles. Uh, Hangman Page was just still young, getting around, never won the gold, but he was kind of just like that guy you could see. He was getting making his way up there. They move out, New Japan, come to AEW, man. What are they? You can be like, oh, they're the EVPs. Either way, man, people know who the fuck they are, man. All held world uh, championship gold in AEW. Hangman Page, AEW champion. Kenny Omega, AEW champion. Young Bucks, two-time AEW tag team champion. They're also six-man tag team champions. They can do it, and they've done it in multiple... Um, Young Bucks did it all, kind of all over the world, in a sense. Uh, they haven't done it in WWE, unfortunately, but they were in TNA Generation Me. The group themselves, if you want to talk about the list of like five star matches, I'm going to say Pause. Meltzer. We'll give you a fifth member on that one. Was was uh, Don Callis uh, uh, par with him in, in, he in Japan? He was in Japan, no. But he was an elite? I'm going to give you Don Callis. So add John Callis to your to your group. You know who you got. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, Don Callis, man. Look, Cyrus the Virus, back way back in ECW days, man. He's just a great heel, Don Callis. Uh, Winnipeg boy with Kenny Omega, he just adds that extra dastardly heel to move advance that you want to see a microphone man because they're not all great promo stickmen. Don can kind of bring that element to it. The mastermind, in a sense, I wish they would use him that way more. Um, 
but yeah, just in-ring talent. You look at the five-star ratings matches they've all had between them and together within the last four years. It's like, holy crap. You're not going to top that. Uh, unless, well, maybe Will Ospreay, possibly. But their matches, they're just dominating right now. And they're as hot as they're ever going to be. And enjoy them while they can. Because I think by the time they turn 40, they're all going to probably retire. So you got maybe two more years left on them. The Elite are called the Elite for a reason. They're some of the best wrestlers in the world today. If not the best. All right, Randy, two minutes. Dangerous Alliance. So, I mean, you gave him Don Callis. I mean, I have fucking Paulie Dangerously, a.k.a. Paul Heyman, a.k.a. You know, like, like seriously, contends with Bobby the Brain Heenan as really one of the does. greatest freaking managers and mouthpieces of all time. So you get this guy putting together a faction. And look, I didn't even include the living legend Larry Zabisco or Arn Anderson in my group of four. Because their accomplishments speak for themselves. I mean, I felt like it was going to be too much to have Arn Anderson twice in my thing. But let's talk about freaking Rick Rude, all right? A travesty that he did not seriously compete for a heavyweight championship when he was in WWF, all right? Like, he goes to WCW, he gets the respect that he freaking deserves as the head guy of this faction. Basically, we're going to build a faction around Rick Rude. Yeah. He had the look. He had the in-ring technical abilities. He friggin' had the mouth. He could fucking go. Steve Austin, who was young and braggadocious at the time, just needed that next platform to give him that push up the card. So, I mean, he was fucking running roughshod. Bobby Eaton, beautiful fucking Bobby Eaton, legendary member of the Midnight Express, had a great singles run. You put all these guys together with an axe to grind, and then Medusa Maselli, who, look... It really sucked for her in the late 80s and early 90s because she was so good in the ring and there was nobody that could freaking compete with her. They couldn't put people against her because she was too good. And so you have her as the femme fatale of this faction that, you know, causing distractions, getting in the male wrestlers' faces, freaking not afraid to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. She's a badass bitch. Freaking this faction was good. It, and it sucks that they only were around for not even not even three fourths of a year. Kurt, in your one minute rebuttal, I'll let you add another member to the elite. I'll give you another two minutes. Add another member and go. I mean, well, okay. The only other member I could think of was technically Cody. I mean, Cody was with them in New Japan. He didn't. Uh, he was still coming off the other promotions. Global Force won the NWA Championship, won their belt. Um, you know, he didn't win. He was TV, TNT champion in AEW, but he wasn't part of their group. So that's why I'm kind of like hesitant about the elite. It was really just the four guys. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. God, I'm, I'm thinking Bullet Club. But no, I, everything I said, I stand by. I was going to say, you had other great tag teams in there. You had freaking uh, Doc Gallows and Machine Gun Carl Bullet Anderson. Club. You had Finn Balor. You could have just been, you could have just done a faction no, 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 of I Bullet Club leaders. Yeah. I think what he was trying to do, he was, he was going to go with the Elite. I just oh, yeah. stuck with the, I just oh, yeah. stuck with the, uh, the Elite. Yeah. The elite. I mean, the Bullet Club, I could have been here all day. And, well, not all day, but I'm surprised I didn't pick the Bullet Club, actually. I thought that was a given. They were part of the Bullet Club, but then they were the elite at, its, at the time. 
because there's different like NWO Wolfpack, Black and White. They kind of branched off into oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Um, since we didn't add another member, hold on. Oh, well. If you got, if I you think got the only part you could say was going to be Cody. That's Cody. That was it. That's the only one I could think of. That's the only one I can find. So yeah. Well, there was elite. There, so. there, there was Bullet Club Gold, and then there was Bullet Club Elite. Yes. And, and Cody was more Bullet Club Gold. Yeah. And, and he that's was why, elite. That's when we went to the Ring of Honor Supercard shows because they were feuding. Because it was like Cody's on our side. He's not on our side. On our side. Eventually, him and Kenny fought for the first time at that show. Which is badass, by the way. Where did Marty Scroll fit into that? Oh fuck yes, that's right. He was fucking in the group. I totally fucking forgot about Marty Scroll. Dude, you see, like, give him a, a little line, you know. Son of a bitch. Yeah, I totally forgot about. Who was one Scroll. of my favorite favorites? Marty Scroll. <laughs> uh, Randy, uh, two minutes. You get to add add somebody from the Dangerous Alliance. Well, dude, I mean, like, I, I kind of touched on it that I didn't have the, you know, them in there, but I was going to say the... Yes, but you also get other members of the Alliance, too. The, you got to remember, see, the, as the thing about the Dangerous Alliance, and you young, youngsters well, here... we're not don't know about the, about the ECW Dangerous Alliance. I'm just thinking WCW as well, that's what I'm thinking. Well, what about the AWA thing? where it began? I'm, yeah, yeah Andre, I'm talking about Adrian the WCW. Adonis. Dangerous Alliance. Just saying, you, you had the the Dangerous Alliance was a th- stable that moved from promotion to promotion, just kind of like how he moved, like the Elite moved from promotion to promotion to two promotions. I, you, yeah, but they weren't known as Bullet Club Elite when they got to AEW. Oh, no, because you couldn't use the, the Elite. You couldn't exactly. use the, the Bullet Club. Exactly. All right, well, one minute rebuttal to whatever he said. I don't know. Well, I was just going to say, like, Larry Zabisco, Arn Anderson, the Enforcers, great tag team. Friggin' Larry Zabisco, this is kind of the twilight of his career. It was his last big run in WCW. You know, he had a legendary feud with Bruno San Martino uh, in WWF in the, uh, in the 70s. By the time he gets to WCW in the late 90s, he was kind of in, in the twilight of his career. And, I mean, it was a good way to, to kind of go out, even though he did fuck it up for the Dangerous Alliance and War Games, and that's why he got booted from the group. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah. It was, like I said, it, it was it was like blink and you miss it, because they were only around for, like, eight, nine months. But in that eight, nine months, they wrecked a lot of havoc. And they had championship gold. Nothing against the Elite. Very much everything against the Elite. But the Danger Alliance is going to win that because Rick Rude deserves more respect and earns should deserves more of what he has done in rest in the wrestling world. So I'm going to give that to um, to the Danger Alliance. And Randy has won this region marks debate on factions. TNK is just like fuck this. I'm actually reading what, like, I was reading something else, like, now I'm just like, oh yeah, I should have brought him up. So I feel like, what the fuck ever happened to Marty Skull? And I'm reading, I'm like, yeah, don't bring up his name. I knew what happened to him, but I was just like, maybe Look, going to the wayside. Maybe. I'm just, I'm very, I, I told him when they picked their, their factions, I was like, I'm very disappointed because I'm the judge and no one pan- tried to pander to me, you know? The ECW, right? No ECW factions. 
I don't even care. You could have BWO versus the Four Horsemen. Guess who's going to fucking win? The BWO. That's not what yeah, yeah, no, I would have been like bullshit. Bull fuck shit. But yeah, yeah, you have to. But like I said you have to like try to convince me because to me the Ravens flock. You know the Ravens triple threat. Triple Threat was a great one. That would have been the one I would have showed. That's the one. I, that was my favorite. Fact. Well, the Ravens Flock is. I mean, BWO was just a break off of the Ravens Flock. Yeah, they were. You know, yeah, something like Stevie was the primary member of Ravens Flock. Ravens Flock. There's so many members in ECW. I don't remember. I remember the Ravens Flock in WCW, but barely ECW. You know, just like you know, also like other things too, like with the Dangerous Alliance. Dangerous Alliance ECW stable was fucking phenomenal. You know, you had Taz Sabu nine one one. Who's gonna beat beat nine one one? That was the man back in the day. Uh, oh, also in Dangerous Alliance in WCW, one of the managers was PSAs, Michael PSAs, as well too. Gee, Dad, I was trying to get some love to AWW, so I figured I'd choose a faction of theirs because they have a ton of factions. Well, I was going to say, you know, actually, you bring that up, and that was, like, one of our gripes back in the day about everybody's in a faction, everybody's in a faction. Now it's like, That's yes, hard. you have you have factions, but it's not as if, it like, the storylines dominate. Or, like, it's not like the factions dominate the storylines, you know what I mean? Well, I, think I mean, you have, you have Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah. You have the Elite. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, like, I guess the, firm, Jericho, the firm is there, but not, not really. really yeah, the Jericho Appreciation Society. That's, you know. And maybe, like I said, if you want to call the firm a faction, I don't, but. Yeah, and then, I mean, and then you have the. Um, Chris QT Marshall's got some sort of group. No. Well, the factory. Yeah, the factory. But no, no, I'm talking about. Um, what the fuck's his face? The, the, the fucking trio's champs. Well, that's because the, the trio's champs are black. black. There the, we go. House of Black, you consider a faction because they got uh, Julia Hart. And but by the way, is is actually impressing. The last few times I've seen her in the ring, she's getting better. She's yeah, I watched a little bit better. of her matchup against a red, uh, red sky or uh, sky velvet or I forget it. I'm sorry. I'm but but with, with this with the factions is is like right now is like what WWE is doing with their factions is like fucking gold. Well, dude, like I they just... like they can't miss with this shit except for the women's. But like in in the general round of, of factions, oh, they do got a women's faction at AEW. They brought that up. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, the outcasts. Yeah, but like in WWE is like it's like fucking gold with with uh, the Bloodline. Um, Judgment Day. Still, to me, I think the Judgment Day is probably the best one. I, in my opinion, see they just did a recent new faction list on a YouTube show I was watching the other day, and you start thinking about the new like Judgment Day. When you talk about the Bloodline, you're like, holy crap, like. The bloodline is, you can consider recency biasism, but at the same time, when you talk about all-time great factions, you got to put the bloodline in there. I'm sorry. It was one of the best stories told in, what, the last decade I, just, I mean, I just kind of wish, like, like my, my whole issue with the Judgment Day is they book them to lose too fucking much. Unless your name is Rhea Ripley. So, so here's another thing about, about this is they brought up another faction. Now they have the LWO back in there. And now, if you think about it, yeah, the last couple of weeks, who's been taking all the L's? Well, the LWO, LWO to the... Which, it's like how times have not changed. They ain't going to be taking an L in Puerto Rico, man. I'd be shocked if Judgment Day won. You got to put Bad Bunny and Ray Mysterio over in that crowd. 
Yeah, but you also got also Damian Priest is yeah, also then, huge then still there too. Then we also have to put Drew McIntyre over in true. in the UK. In Wales. Then we have to put Sami Zayn over in, in Montreal. Montreal. <laughs> okay, look, do I have to say it? There could be a ride in Puerto Rico. I mean, they. I mean, they. They, they did. They did. They did. They, rowdy, kill, they did fucking kill um, Bruiser Brody. So they I stabbed mean. Piper a couple times. That's why he wore Kevlar. So Ric Flair gave him the world title because he didn't want to get killed. So I'm not saying they're like that nowadays, but and, shady shit. I mean, it's dicey. It's just you know, make sure the right guy wins. But uh, I don't know. I know. I would be curious. Like, yeah, they screwed over Ray. I guess they could get away with it nowadays. But bad money losing, I'm just like, wow, that'd be crazy. I'd love to see the crowd just be like. Oh. Yeah, but you also, too, got Damian Priest. Damian Priest, like, he's, he's, is, that's your biggest. His blood root is a Puerto Rican, yeah. Is Puerto Rican, and that, that's your, that's their, really their biggest their, wrestler right now. I mean, yeah, if there was no bad bunny, he would be the guy they would show. That's why they put him. I knew he was going to be on the, in the match as soon as they announced Well, that's, like, that's going to be like a Selena Vega. She's going to go well, over. Well, I mean, it gets real hell, no. But the fact that she's on the match is, you know, hey, man, kudos to Zelina. But it's just because she's from because she's Spanish. I don't know what her. She, I don't know what. Uh, I don't know her nationality. I though. think she's Puerto Rican. She's from New York, so yeah, maybe. I, I think she's Puerto Rican. Maybe. I think that's the whole reason why she's in that match. What is that? I'm just. I, I think. I think. I don't know. <laughs> The lie detector there's, says there, the whole thing is this because you look at the LWO. There's the the green, white, and red uh, shirts, and they also got the red, white, and blue shirts for Puerto Rico. She from Queens. Yeah, she's from New York. But what is her? She's built from Mexico. Oh, I see Mexico is what I see. So Mexico. I thought she was. Uh... Yeah, I was gonna. I figured she was probably. I thought she was Mexican because I remember uh, she was Rosita in TNA. I thought she was Puerto Rican. My, my bad. Oh, well. I, know, I mean, dude, look, Latinos, they support one another, but yeah, it's a. Uh, at least Especially when you get a, like, when, you, when your wrestling last name is Vega, Vega is very. is a very, very famous name for Puerto was, Rican. Sabio Vega. Oh, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. That's all Puerto Rican history. I'm pretty sure he'll probably show up. Bring out all the. No, 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 no. She is uh, Puerto, Rican Puerto Rican descent. descent. Yep. Okay. Okay. There you go. So, I, like, because I'm like New York, and when you you have a last yeah. name, New York, you, assume, you know, I don't want to assume, but usually there's a big, heavy Puerto Rican uh, nationality in New York. <laughs> but when you, but but the whole thing was Vega. That last name Vega is yeah. a wrestling last name. That's a Puerto Rican bloodline. You know, wrestling name. Yeah, I didn't think about you right. But dude, no, she's getting her props, and hopefully, you know, she does a competitive match against Rhea. You know, Rhea's gonna win. She has to. Come on. So, so who is she gonna cosplay as at the cosplay? Kicks ass, dude. Fuck her cosplay is awesome. I know. Um, I don't know. Uh, Keith Lee. Uh, I gotta give him a shout out because he wore a t-shirt that made me really happy. Training to be Goku, but I'll settle for Krillin. I saw that shirt. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> nice. But, uh, yeah, who who is she going to cosplay? I don't know. I don't know what video game's coming out. She's already done the Street Fighter cosplay. That was an awesome cosplay. I look forward to her cosplays, man. They kicked ass. It'd be yeah. funny if she comes out as AJ Lee. I thought I heard 
heard something about AJ Lee possibly, but I think that's just all rumor and innuendo. Well, she she's involved with another like women's wrestling promotion. No, well she she's she does commentary for the Wild. Yeah, woman wrestling. Yeah, she also has like some kind of backstage executive role with them there too. No, but I'm saying she can cosplay as AJ Lee because she played AJ Lee. Yeah, in the movie. In a, fighting uh, with my family. family. I like that movie. Yeah, like... But yeah, the, the 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 faction wars. I, as much as we said, like AEW back in the day had too many factions. I think the I think WWE is doing a great job with them now. Like just having the, just those just good enough because Imperium. I was going to say Imperium is the only one I can really think of. Great it's really fashion. great. I don't think they have even hit their stride yet. I think you that's consider, coming. Consider you know Brawling Brutes still a fashion. I haven't seen Pete Dunn or um, Mad Cat. Not Mad Cat. Um, Mac. What's the fuck's his name? Thatcher. Uh, no, not Thatcher? Thatcher. No. Cool. Well, man, we're fucking terrible. At this. I'm like, I know my brain's like, what the, the motherfucker who, who took out Big, Big E, dude. Yeah. Motherfucker who took out Big E. And I refuse to Google this shit. It'll just it'll just settle in my brain. Yeah, it'll it'll yeah, yeah. it'll fucking cut. Like as soon as I see it, it's gonna Something be like, oh, of course. No, not with the M. T. Rich Holland. Oh, well, I was way the fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Rich Holland, Pete Dunn, aka uh, Butch. Butch, which I don't even like saying. I just call him Pete Dunn. I refuse to accept the Butch. Yeah, they need to bring the old Pete Dunn back. The Bruiser weight. And uh, but yeah, no. Um, but yeah, Imperium's kicking ass. Love Imperium. You know, let's while we um, wind down the show. Let's let's. What factions do you think is going to get broken up through the WWE draft coming up this uh, Ooh, this coming Friday? You think the Judgment Day is going to get breaking up? Yep. Because let's. I mean, let's face it. If you want to look at who is the most over in that group, it's Rhea Ripley and Dominic. I don't think you split the two of them up, but is, is Finn even sort of a factor in the group? Is Damian Priest really a factor in the group? I get that, like, Damian Priest is about to have this match at Backlash, but I mean, realistically, I feel like Finn's eating way too many L's. Same thing with, with well, sort of with Damian Priest, too, because he's been sort of 50 50 booking. I just I I feel like there's more money in Rhea and Dominic. They don't necessarily need the other two. And it's you fucking could, shame. You could have uh now I could total I could totally see Damian Priest turning on Dominic because he's kind of talking about how he's still friends with Bad Bunny. He's like, oh man, he's not a bad guy, man. He's actually a good dude. So I could see him kind of like having his back in Puerto Rico and like going out and then they yeah, separate him and have them go to SmackDown. He stay on Raw. You could do that. I don't want the Judgment Day to break up, but I figure you're probably right. That's the group I saw. I mean, because again, like when we watch those, when we watch all those different vignettes that we fucking love, the like WWE online or social media specials, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Valentine's Day, whatever. It's not like Finn and Dominic are involved in that shit at all. No, it's fucking mommy and it's Dominic. Yeah, yeah, Finn and Priest yeah, definitely See, aren't. But. I I think how it's coming around, I think for all four of them, they, for me, I hope they don't split them up because I think you can make so much money with them. And like I said, even if they're losing, if they lose and stuff like that, you still have Rhea Ripley. How many times is Finn Balor going to lose to fucking Edge? 
Let's start. No, there. That's it. That's, no, that's no more. Now because... that you're saying all that, I totally see them breaking up, and I see yeah. No, look, I totally see Rhea and I would, Dom going to smash. I would love. Day. I would love to see what we sort of teased at the beginning of Judgment Day, of the Finn Balor Judgment Day that we didn't get. I would like to see Finn, AJ, and the fucking um, Good oh, Brothers. Yeah, the OC. Yeah, right. run together. Do I, the uh, bullet WWE's version of the Bullet Club. I think you, you move the Judgment Day all all four of them to SmackDown, and then the feud with the with the Bloodline. Because I think I think this Friday, I think the Usos is going to win back the ti- the titles. It just feels well well because well especially when they change the name of the fucking pay per view in Saudi Arabia to Night of Champions. I get, in a sense, why they did it, because it's actually going to be at that show that Roman Reigns will reach a thousand days as champion. So, from that standpoint, it makes sense. But at the same point in time, you can't have fucking Night of Champions and not have your tag team champions there. Well, but you still have the Usos. And here's the thing with, like, Sammy. Is Sammy going to do Saudi? Is he not? That's no, he can't. He That's can't. why I he said he's not, Kevin it's not like Kevin. you can't have your tag team champions yeah, exactly. there. Kevin, Kevin Owens doesn't do the Saudi shows in support of Sammy. Sammy. Sammy yeah. So, yeah. like, uh, yeah. But I feel also, too, is, like, I think now since Vince is back, I think that they're going to turn. Yeah, Usos need the, the title. You got your WrestleMania moment. So. They say, they say. That after the draft, it will be the true "quote unquote" Triple H era because then it's wiping the slate clean. He's gonna have the wrestlers on the shows that he wants them to be on, start fresh storylines, etc. So they say you know that what? the draft is supposed to be the true beginning of the well, Triple we'll H watch, era. We'll watch. This is over. We're gonna watch the Triple H fucking. Um, but no, but I think with with, with Finn. I think some of the, the vignettes with Finn and, and Damian Priest, because I was very against Finn, um, Damian Priest getting called off from NXT because I think he wasn't ready enough. I think he was always had some bad I got rushed. It was too much, I would say. And I didn't like him in the ring. But I'll tell you this. Since he's been with Finn and Rhea and Dom, he has become, I like him now. I mean, not like, like his gimmick. I'm talking about I like him wrestling in the ring. And that and that to me is like I think all four of them, they all blend in together. Just a little the some of those skits the 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 skits they do together, it it just all fits to me. And I I just think that they can do a bloodline versus fucking why not have blood a bloodline versus um judgment day to culminate at one point into a freaking uh, um into a um oh my god war blood, games blood judgment war so games have Rhea and Solo just going at each other love it Sign fuck yeah. yeah why not let's do it just the, the the stare downs that they had and how they, it just I think it's fucking phenomenal I think it's fucking great I, look I, you got an argument for me but I they got to do something to shake it up so if you break them up it is like wow, shake. I, I, I think what I think we think also with, with with Dom is you need Dom with Finn, and it's not even about on screen uh, thing. You need Finn with with Damien and with Dom just to help them oh, to keep with the behind the, behind scenes, the scenes and everything. Oh no, because that, at all, yeah. look where Dom's at now and where Damien Priest is now, their their presence has been greatly 
enhanced because of Finn behind the scenes. I, I, that's, I fully agree. That's what my whole opinion about that one. The only ones that I, the, the faction I do see getting split up is, um, the brawling brutes. I, I totally see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to be, uh, dissipated. Um, of course, damage control. That's, that's pretty out. much out right now. Anyway. Um, and I think, uh, wasted potential. hundred percent. Yeah. Can we can we sidebar this for a second sure. and, just, and just talk about like the ineffectiveness of the women's tag championships? Like, I've I've heard somebody I, I heard Mark Henry say this the other day on the radio about that he's surprised that the fans didn't get behind the women's tag championships like he thought he would like 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 they get behind the men's tag team championships. It's very hard to get behind the women's tag championships when they're barely featured, and when you just throw random fucking teams together to fucking compete for the belts? I I think the the idea of the Women's Tag Team Championships is a good idea. Yes. But... But the execution has been shit. But... Take those two belts, separate them into a mid-card belt. You don't have enough women wrestling... To actually have a tag team division, that's oh the problem. When it was when it was one tag team championship, and to go through all three different brands, mm-hmm. thumbs up. Yes, but they set they they Vince shat on fucking NXT so much, and then I give them a shot at all that they had to make their own, and their tag team division is a lot better. Then then WWE's, but gee, I, I, do, why. I do feel so, like you don't necessarily the, need women's tag championships. The, if you are going to keep them, you need to actually build up the division. But I feel like you would benefit more from having one world champion, kind of like we do now, and having two mid-card women's championships on each brand. I yeah, Okay, so I'm trying to think how this would work. Yeah, you don't have the women's talent isn't as much as the men. So you had the women's tag team champions because it gives because it's it's brand. It goes on both brands, which I love, and it gives women the opportunity to have more women showcase wrestling uh, teams. So you put four women as opposed to just having two women singles matches if they had time for that. So you get more women in the ring, shows the cases them. I get why they do it. I'm not a fan of it because, like you said, each week it's like, hey, we're just going to put two random women together and boom. And like if you look at the list of tag team champions. You forget like how many just random women wanted that are like, wow, these two were together. Like Alexa Bliss and Nikki, Alexa Bliss and Asuka. Um, you know, now you got Raquel uh, Gonzalez and Liv Morgan. You know, it's like, wow, like and it goes and they switch all the time. It's not enough to invest to be like, that's great. One women's world champion. I agree with you on that one. Or if you're going to do two, have one, car- let the women's mid car belt be interchangeable. I think that would change things. I think I I I, I think like because again I, I, you know this whole thing about oh well no you need a world champion on each brand and a mid card championship on each brand no like I feel like we've already proven you can have one world heavyweight champion that bounces between both shows as long as you have a strong mid card championship to prop each show up. Yeah. You could do the same exact thing for the women's division. You don't necessarily need the tag belts if you have. Uh, a U.S. championship for the women on one side and an Intercontinental championship on the other side for the women. You I, could definitely get more star power out of that than what we're really doing with the tag belts. Because the tag belts kind of at this point are a fucking joke with the fans. Because you've made them a joke. So, 
I don't want to rip off Paul Heyman, but my name is Ramsey Willis, and I'm the advocate for women's wrestling to have its own show on the network. And the reason for that is because you can still have two world champions, one on SmackDown, one on Raw. You can have only one mid-card belt, and that one mid-card belt will travel, will get to go from Raw, SmackDown, and into the network show. And that is going to be your worker. And that one you can actually have to drive it. Because it is to say to have Rhea Ripley as a champion on SmackDown and to have Bianca Belair on Raw is too strong. Is, is, is your two strongest people right now. And then you can have people going for this mid-card belt and then start making people with this mid-card, but also f- have them go rotate around to these shows to actually do the, the belt. But I think, yeah, with, with with your two strong champions, you keep them, but then you have your moving, rotating mid-card belt. And you can bring back the European Championship and have that as your mid-card belt for the women. But it all starts off with one thing. They need their own show on the network. If they can do, still have fucking wrestling superstars or the main of fucking event. The main event still is a show, yeah. And also still have some indie shows on there. Yeah. You can fucking make an hour show of just the women wrestling division on the Peacock. I've been saying this for three fucking years. And every year it keeps saying it, it, it demands. I think it demands it. They really need it. Well, they just need to start like, I don't know, maybe talk about this all day. And they like, I just feel that like the women's belts, like if you're going to have uh, Bianca as like your female John Cena and have her hold the belt, I get it from a marketing standpoint, but it's like, so there's nobody really credible on Raw to beat her. That's the, my only downside. And then like, what do the women do on Raw now? You know, oh, just compete for a tag team title. Uh, you know, with Rhea, you know, she's going to hold the belt for a while. And then, yeah, again, the women on SmackDown. It's, it's the same. The women go from jump shoot from show to show anyway. So, But I feel like even if you had a credible mid-card belt for the women, you could use you could use that belt to build up serious contenders and challengers for your women's heavyweight champions. Or, or you're like your main women's champion. If they just had one heavyweight champion and one mid-card championship, I'm totally on board with that idea. But again, how do you interchange them? You know, that's the thing. So if you're if you're the mid-card champion, you you get to you're showcased. You have a showcase match on Raw. You have a showcase matchup on like on the women's on the women's card on the women's the women's event. On, on the network, you really don't see your world champions on there. You you they'll have a presence, but they're not wrestling. Your main event is your mid card champion. Yeah. But then you also she will have that 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 uh, a showcase on Raw. She has a showcase in the in that show and a showcase on SmackDown, and then that'll help start bringing up and start start moving and showing the talent. And having that, you know, have uh, build up your talent because, like right now, the only person that could beat really Bianca Belair, Raquel Gonzalez. Yeah, Raquel, 
maybe Ronda or Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley. No, really, it. here's the thing about, about Shayna Baszler is like, is she legitimate still? Because how much they not pushed her at all? Like that's a whole rebuild you have to do with uh with uh Shayna. Yeah, no, you got to re uh, yeah remarket her as a badass as she was in NXT. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I see Bianca holding the belt for a long time. I see Rhea holding the belt until Charlotte decides to win it, and that's what I see. But I want Rhea to hold that belt for a long damn time. But yeah, I, I got nothing else after this, man. Like that was oh. all right. Great point. No, well, let's end the show there. <laughs> uh, next week uh, or next episode. Uh, right now, we're working on scheduling uh, for our tag team tournament. Um, we're we're gonna. That's something we got to talk off air. But uh, if we don't have that next show. We'll have something. We'll figure it out. We always do. We might have like behind the mic, the the stories of the hosts. I think it's something. It'll be entertaining. I guarantee you that way. And uh, if we we are we are up in our game at at the podcast with our audio equipment. Um, hopefully next year we're going to have our best audio equipment. Ever. You got a really show. nice setup now, man, with the producer, mic stand, everything laptop on the tripod. Yeah. This fucker's special over he's, here, he's, man. <laughs> he's game up. It looks good. Hey, I said it. We're going to make this. I'm trying to make this as legit as possible. We're trying to get the best equipment that I can afford. We're going for it. Like I said, Kurt, I made a promise to you. By the end of this year, we will be on YouTube. Oh, dude. All right. Oh, man. You said you want to be on YouTube. Well, I did. We're we'll going to be on YouTube. Online. We'll talk with offline. We're going to be on YouTube. I'm, I did. I'm working on it. Don't want to anymore, but we'll see. <laughs> As I say, we got to start looking our Sunday's best, man. If I'm going to be ravishing Randy, I got to start looking fucking ravishing. Let's go. <laughs> I'm going to look the worst. I'm going to look like I'm homeless. But on that note, this is, uh, no, I'm always last now. Go. I was going to say, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Rage of Marks Wrestling Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next show. I'm Ravishing Randy. I'm TNK, signing off. Rampage. Oh, fuck, I forgot my name. Rampage <laughs> Ramsey. We're out of this motherfucker. <laughs>